Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the greatest show on earth. I'm Nick Munez. This is Nick's Nonfiction. Today on the show, we have got Mike Sellins, The Messenger. This is the new wave conspiracy. I'm letting you guys behind the paywall today. I no longer care about how jet fuel can melt steel beams, but not the passports of the 19 hijackers. I no longer care about the smallest details of the Tate LaBianca crime scene. But Nick, the knife was actually 45 degrees to the left. I don't care. We're going medic conspiracy. Like we got videos on the Patreon post-conspiracy America. The train derailment. Was it the Chinese? <laughs> Every story that comes out, there's just enough evidence on both sides to split us all. So stop taking camps is one of the bigger messages today. I can already communicate with deities. I can walk on bodies of water. Come to the right messenger. Mike is hyper-focused. As strange as this might seem, owls are also showing up in conjunction with UFO experiences. <laughs> you ever see like those pictures where they shave an owl? It looks exactly like an alien. What does a British owl say? Whom? Whom? What do you call an alien with no eyes? Alan. <laughs> that quote, Mike is calling the UFO experience. So his mind is a little bit more open than I'm going to make fun of him for today. It doesn't have to be little green men coming from the Andromeda galaxy. Aliens are from inner space, not outer space. Quote, the owl connection encompasses more than the UFO experience. It also includes profound synchronicities, ancient archetypes, dreams, shamanistic experiences, personal transformation, and death. From the mythic legends of our ancient past to the first-hand accounts of the UFO abductee, owls are playing a vital role. I'm done wasting anybody's time talking about aliens, man. Maybe I hit the G-pen in the middle of the episode and I tell you about one of my experiences. But the truth is that Aleister Crowley drew the first concept of the gray alien. We'll get into those weeds today. And if you want deep facts on aliens, go back to the Patreon with the alien world order. Bob Lazar, pushed to the front of the YouTube algorithm. He can't be stopped. <laughs> yeah, Nick, 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 Barack Obama just made a deal with Netflix. He's doing the Barney Hill. <laughs> I can't with this shit. <laughs> it's a fucking psyop. Operation Blue Bleam, look into it. What was the court case between the immigrant and the priest called? Alien versus Predator. <laughs> humans told aliens to F off. Aliens told humans, no, UFO. Why were the aliens watching the cows? They were on a stakeout. <laughs> we'll be right back. About the author Mike Selland. Mike Selland this coke at the bar. Harry shit on Instagram if you want some free memes. <laughs> this guy, he's got a tight cover story. A couple dozen books about the outdoors, backcountry skiing, ultralight backpacking, not tying rock climbing, bush crack cooking. If you want alien stories, go talk to people in the woods. We'll probably talk about Bigfoot a little bit today. He's a certified G. And the G stands for gonad. Another one. What do you call an alien with three balls? An extra testicle. <laughs> Yeah, I've been listening to the uh, Art Bell archives. One Bigfoot theory, 
is that you can't see him unless you're ingrained in the woods. I've only been like outing for two years and I don't have claim to have any insights, although I can walk on water. <laughs> it's true, like the virgin eyes of a hiker overlook so much more than a hunter. Or you ever played those games when you were a kid, what's different with this picture? The more you look at the picture, blah, 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 you'll see Bigfoot. I don't know, man. Seeing an owl, he's saying it's going to mean something. I'm up for the theory. What kind of bird do you keep in the shower? A towel. <laughs> what was the owl's favorite song? Who are you? What do you get if you cross an owl with a rooster? A cock that stays up all night. The Nickers will be right back. Chapter 1, Mike Selland, The Messengers, Early Encounters. Start this out with his terminology, good little author. The word alien is used throughout this book, and some object to this because it implies being from another planet. I object! Others prefer visitors, ETs, UFO occupants, or star beings. I don't prefer any of those. I know one woman who refers to them only as creatures. Their dictionary has several definitions for alien. One of them is differing in nature or character, typically to the point of incompatibility. I don't know, dude. Let's not get lost in the dictionaries change every year. I'm also using a few other imperfect terms. Abductee, experiencer, contactee. So I'm saying he's opening up the door to like OBEs, NDEs. We're not just talking about aliens. <laughs> Now you know the fucking terminology for his cult. Every case is different. He's got... Here's Mike's first encounter. Owls started manifesting in my life with a flurry of weirdness in the autumn of 2006. It happened while camping with a young woman that I hardly knew. Her name is Kristen, and we went out one night in the mountains near my home. We had hiked several miles to a beautiful spot, and we were sitting together on a big flat rock in the middle of an open meadow. The sun was setting. It was warm and calm. We talked as I prepared dinner on a small camp stove. It was that magical twilight time and the moon was rising. Our conversation reached a point and we were opening up about our spiritual beliefs and insights. Bro, this is when it's happening, when you let your spiritual guard down. When I go into the woods, I make an internal point. I'm not seeing a Yeti tonight. Pack in, pack out. The woods are a psychedelic place. The intention you go in with is the intention that it responds. Just kind of flowing. Quote, <laughs> right at the moment an owl swooped over us, literally just a few feet above our heads. This was a beautiful sight and we were both delighted. Then there was another owl and then a third. And then the three were circling and swooping silently above us. It lasted for over an hour. During this time, we set our sleeping bags up under the stars. As we lay there looking up at the night sky, the owls would swoop right above our faces, blotting out the stars for a brief instant. Owls have specialized feathers, so they are amazingly quiet. This eerie silence made the entire experience more strange. Chapter 3, we got dope owl facts. It was almost three years later when I recognized the synchronistic intensity of the arrival of those owls. I called Kristen on the phone to ask if she remembered. He's calling his old smash to talk about owls. <laughs> this was the point when I realized we were both on exactly the same spiritual wavelength. I'm saying they hit the hemi-sync, boy. Oh yeah, I remember exactly what I was saying. I was trying to articulate my deepest beliefs about God. It was right at that moment that the owls appeared. So Kristen remembers. 
For me, the intensity of our Al experience created a weird emotional urgency. Just say you smashed. <laughs> he was saying 18 years later, it said vivid as the day it happened. I do remember the first time I saw an owl. It was like in a little notch of a tree. And I definitely saw eyes. I looked back and there were these feathers looking back at me. Oh, terrifying. It was in the White Clay State Park. You remember exactly where. Mike starts posting online, gets a response. The greys come in threes. They often appear as owls. <laughs> so this is a Cheeto-fingered internet commenter. Contrary to popular belief, they are profoundly surrendered. We find this frightening because we are not. An experience like this is mostly outside of space and time. We need to look back on it. <laughs> so greys come in three. That's the alien tidbit we're getting. I don't know. He saw three owls. <laughs> Mike reaches out to Kristen again. Dude, you had a nice little moment, and now you're going to bring up aliens to her. Kristen goes, pretty much sums up what I felt in my gut. Owls and UFOs are some sort of communion. So she's a dope witchy chick that could have went much worse. But she said in the quote, she's going, I saw the all is. So they were having like a religious experience out there in the woods. And these pagans in Colorado, these boulder hippies, they praise mold and grass. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if you're a spiritual, you're on a D wavelength in your brain. Andrew Huberman. That, um, you're like opening up your consciousness. You might be able to hallucinate. Totally sober. Aleister Crowley. I brought him up before. He did automatic writing. That's like you get in a brainwave state where your hand is moving and you're writing the devil's message. He's doing like a Ouija board. And that's when he drew the first gray alien. Alistair and Adolf, go read that book. <laughs> I don't know. If you take a bunch of psychedelics, you're going to meet some blue people. So I'm not saying this is all fake. Like in India, they just call it Vishnu. Vishnu has like 10 heads and 50 arms. It's the scariest shit on earth. But a gray? I haven't really seen that bullshit. <laughs> it's like a religious thing these people are having. And I feel like the government is trying to turn this into a new Scientology. The grays, they're coming. It's going to be a holographic projection in the sky and everyone's going to fall for it. Mike's first UFO encounter. I have a set of memories from my youth that paint a disturbing picture. Three events had always haunted me. In 1974, as a 12-year-old boy, I had a very clear UFO sighting at night. I was with a friend, and we both watched a coffee can-shaped craft out his bedroom window. It was slowly descending and rotating in an eerily smooth motion. Kids are so malleable, they probably watch too much the next generation, and that's what they saw outside. It's hard to say how big it was, but it seemed about the size of a van. It felt close to his home. We watched it gliding downward, maybe less than a minute, and it simply disappeared. <laughs> Me and my buddies definitely convinced ourselves that we saw giant anacondas in the woods. No giant anacondas in the woods in North Jersey. I gotta go hard-nosed on this book. <laughs> I do have an experience to open it back up. We were going to a sweet 16, me and my buddies, probably my other most open-minded friend. He's gay now is why I say that. But I'm saying, like, we were talking about, do you like this girl? I guess he was straight then. And I told him I wasn't going to go after her. Marina? Not going to say the name. <laughs> but I remember it. We were sitting in his car drinking vodka out of a water bottle. 
and right above the tree line, there was a light. I'm going, what, is someone flying a drone? And then it starts doing like a figure eight. This wasn't like 2016. DGIs couldn't do that. And then the fucker shot up into the sky. <laughs> We're like, what the, what's going on? And now I feel crazy for even saying it out loud. But, I don't know, we were both being open, like it's a time of vulnerability. I don't know, man. Quote, I was 30 years old in the winter of 1993, living alone in a small house in Maine. I woke up in the middle of the night because a bright light was shining in the room. I sat up in bed, looked outside my bedroom window, and saw five spiny aliens walking toward the house. They were the typical gray beings that get reported. See how I just giggled? You're definitely laughing at my story, too. They had oversized bald heads and huge black eyes. <laughs> This should have been terrifying, but I felt absolutely nothing. I was oddly sucked to drive any emotion. After a few moments of looking at these beings, I heard my voice in a head, Oh yes, they're here. Now it's your time to put your head on the pillow and black out. And that's exactly what I did. The next morning, I dismissed the entire thing as just a wild, vivid dream, and I never even bothered to look for footprints in the snow. This even revisited in later chapters. Let's just chalk it up to nothing. Final quote. It was easy to ignore all my UFO experiences. I mean, those just seemed absurd, but I couldn't ignore what was just happening with all the owls. From my direct experience, there is a blurry line between the synchronicity and owls. I don't think a mere mortal can untangle these arcane threads. It's kind of true. You can't put it into words. I was stuck and owls changed me. The person I once was, it was gone. And the owls pushed me over that cliff. Chapter 2. Screen Memories Brings up a lot of Freud in this chapter. So Freud's case studies were pretty questionable. He just bought like pregnant chicks in and badgered them while he was on coke. But that means his theories were kind of dope because they were out there. Sigmund Freud first used the term screen memory in a paper in 1899. He described it as a psychological reaction when an earlier memory is later used to screen a later event. So you might call it like a primer. You put something in someone's subconscious so then they see it again. So you zone like maybe owls act as a screen blocker so then you see an alien. So it's basically the <laughs> men in black eyeball trigger. And then you can't remember anything. That was a bad soundboard. That's the official men in black thing from now on. Quote, the late author, hypnotherapist, and researcher Dolores Cannon wrote about an unusual owl sighting in her 1999 book, The Custodians. She was driving home from a meeting of colleagues when they had been discussing metaphysical matters, including UFO abductions. This would have been well after midnight in the winter of 1988. She was a little over a mile away from her home in an isolated part of the Ozark Mountains of Arkansas when she saw a huge owl standing in the middle of the road. She writes, I drove up right to it and it wouldn't move. It just kept standing there, apparently mesmerized by my headlights. Its head even with the top of the fender so I could see its huge unblinking eyes quite clearly. I honked and came closer to it. I didn't want to hurt it just to make it move out of the road. And then it turned and flew very low to the ground with a large wingspan and alighted just out of the range of my headlights. Once again, I approached it and it wouldn't move. That's the most annoying thing when you're walking down a path and a bird keeps going in front of you. I'm not trying to chase you. This continued all the way to my gate. It would stop at various places in front of my car and just stare unblinking at me. Kind of creepy. Each time it looked, it took several seconds to make its move. I laughed because it seemed very peculiar. 
Finally, the last time it flew to the other side of the entrance to my driveway and just stood there while I turned in. Here's the twist. Usually, they are described at around 4 feet tall. This is problematic because the tallest owl in the world with a maximum height is 33 inches. The great gray owl. Yes, a gray! <laughs> he included that. This bird is found in northern latitudes in a wide stripe around the globe. So Dolores might have seen a thunderbird or some mythical fucking mothman. I think the aliens do that to make it easier for us. So this is a quote from John Carpenter. You know, cult movie director, they live. We would much rather look at an owl or a squirrel than an alien. I actually think they do that on purpose so we aren't so freaked out and are more cooperative. So on the Art Bell archive, I was listening to this story about this guy. He meets a friend who's like a, just up in the mountains. He's got ATVs and shit, so they go hunting together. And the friend is like a little bit off. <laughs> he wears shoes that are off brand. Where do you get those shoes? What brand are they? I got them from a uh, ancestor, yeah? He was German too. So the story goes on and the motherfucker, he thinks is an alien. So this is all to say that this chapter is about screen memories and they use animals to wipe your fucking memory. <laughs> Birds, they aren't real. Like, I think that's just low-level schizophrenia if you buy into all those government fucking conspiracies. It's meth on easy mode. And the soundboard is dead. No! So I think that's how, like, John Carpenter's movies get made. They live. He puts it in terms of aliens. David Schmike, which you can't say his name, he talks about the royals and he calls them aliens. Like, you can't drop that much truth unless you put a bullshit twist on it to send people down the wrong path. Joe Montalato, abduction researcher, says... Almost all UFO sightings are meant to be trigger memories. They are designed to let you know something happened. The story of seeing an impossibly large owl or multiple owls standing on a lonely road is most common, but they are also reported in backyards and front yards, standing in doorways, looking in windows, looking down from roofs. Momo, she's looking in your window at 11 at night. <laughs> I've had two people who were both in the same room describing seeing a large owl sitting on a window in front of them with its face on the glass. Later they realized that there was no sill. The window was flush against the wall. So what is this, owl hovering? I also heard on Art Bell, there's a Protestant guy and a Catholic guy, and they go in the woods. Sounds like a bod joke. And then a rabbi touches them. So this Protestant and Catholic go into the woods. They see this column of light, and it chases them down the hill. When they get out of the woods, the Protestant is like, what was up with that giant flying bell? for whom the bell tolls. <laughs> and then the Christian guy goes, that was the Holy Ghost chasing us. So people literally see two different things in the same exact moment. You see motherfuckers on like these alien boards and they're posting like columns of light. Maybe that's just what your phone sees. I don't know, dog. Alan driving home at 10 at night, looks in his rear view mirror and sees an owl. And then he drives a mile down the road sees the same owl. He was going 60 miles per hour. <laughs> He's just ripping off the hitchhiker. Quote, Alan parked at the exact same spot the next night at about the same time, but something didn't make sense. Without any streetlights, it would be impossible for him to have looked back and see the owl from the rear view in his car. That was a problem. He clearly saw the owl from this location, yet it was too far dark to be a real memory. So do you think owls are 
MKUltra triggers to make you forget shit? Could be. Chapter 3, Real Owls. Quote, When a cartoonist draws an owl, something I know a little bit about, they depict them with enormous eyes. This caricature is quite accurate. An owl's eyes outweigh its brain. Unlike our round eyeballs, there are elongated tubes. So neurologists are now saying that eyes are part of your brain. It's the only part of your brain that's on the outside. And that's why your optothalamus, your third eye man, is there's a, literally another eyeball inside your brain. And when you close your eyes, you can imagine shit. You're actually seeing it. Well, maybe not, because it's just in your brain. A shape better suited for gathering light, even in near-complete darkness. This cylinder is locked in their skull, so owls can't roll their eyes like we do. They can only look straight ahead. Whoa. What the fuck? (laughs) Something I also learned in this book, owls can turn their head 270 degrees. What the fuck? So next time someone's, like, playing their phone out loud on the bus, you just hit them with that total neck turnaround and stare them in the eyes. Or a little kid <laughs> crank your neck 270 degrees around. What the hell? And they don't even have fucking eyes that can look around. That's why they dart their head around, he's saying. Owls rotate their heads with a weirdly smooth proficiency. Unlike the nervous twitchiness of other birds, the calm demeanor creates the illusion of an owl's perceived wisdom. Another cool fact, he was saying owls have a 100% hit rate. 100%. They don't leave their perch unless they know they're going to hit a target. And then they did a study where they made a barn pitch black and the owl's hit rate above 80%. Pitch black, moving targets. When we think of animals with good hearing, we picture rabbits or deers. But owls have oversized scoop-like ears. They don't have just giant eyes. Their fucking entire head is a radar dish funneling sound. Owls don't have any external ears. Instead, they collect sound with the shape of their face. What? Then their feathers, <laughs> like the feathers are twice the mass of the body, so it's absorbing vibrations. They're one of those species that hunt mice under snow. How the fuck? A falcon hunts using speed. Its smaller wings are designed with a knife-like shape. Falcons zoom in fast before their prey has a chance to run. Owls, by contrast, float in slowly, then strike without their prey hearing them. That's a whole point. Is that owls are like the best input receivers. They're OP. How are they even part of the game? Bees see ultraviolet light. Hummingbirds see near ultraviolet light. Dogs hear ultrafrequency sound. Bats and dolphins navigate using ultrasound echolocation. A bear can smell carrion up to 20 miles away. Plenty of animals have extremely subtle and seemingly impossible sensory abilities. The question is, are owls attracted to the sight of UFO activity? Enough. What I'm saying is, how come humans are so poorly equipped for nature? Survival? This shit is an ice cube eight months out of the year. It's impossible. (laughs) Were we just, like, dropped here on an airship? I don't think so. My cat is also attracted to the heater in my living room. This is a piece of technology that produces a measurable effect. Warm air comes out of a vent. When it's turned on, she'll position herself in close proximity. There's no mystery here. The cat senses something and moves toward it. Are the owls simply sensing something and moving toward it? Maybe there's something. It's a better point. Owls could be, like, electromagnetically sensitive, so they go to the sites where men in black are fucking 
operating on people and then making their memories think it's aliens. So that's high-level schizo. Maybe it's just fucking... <laughs> you ever just, like, walk underneath a street light and it flickers? And then you wait and see if for someone else to pass and then it doesn't flicker? What the fuck is happening? And then an owl comes and perches on it and it turns into a strobe light. <laughs> Tells this whole story about his cat freaking out at something he couldn't see. It was well known that Gleason was quite the aficionado of the UFO subject. And there's a wonderful story. The late one night, he got a knock on his front door from golfing pal Richard Nixon. Horror! Jackie, if you'll beat me! This is aligning with my theory about Bob Lazar. You just get drunks like Jackie Gleason to tell the public stories about aliens. But Nick, didn't you see Commander Fravor? You gotta watch it super scrutinously. This would have been during Nixon's presidency. He drove Gleason, just the two of them, alone in the car without any security to nearby Homestead Air Force Base. As the story goes, they entered a tightly guarded building to view an alien body, supposedly from the Roswell, New Mexico crash the day of 1947. <laughs> yep, so Jackie Gleason has seen an alien. To the moon, Alice! Fits in perfect. Are Avils aliens? I don't know, but Mike took the bait. Chapter 4, Owl Oddities. Starting out trippy. It's not uncommon to hear abductees say that they knew of an abduction would be taking place soon, and then it happens. Whoa. For people with a history of UFO abductions, these impressions might come as a psychic premonition or as a tangible physical feeling. They'll describe a vibration or a literal buzzing sensation in their body. They can feel it within their gut or chest. Sometimes it's just a sense of knowing. What are they feeling? Are they physically predicting the future? Tapping into another timeline? Or are there some palpable energies that precede an event like an abduction? Bro, <laughs> when you break through mad tingles your lips and your fingers feel like they're about to explode I think people might just be so perceptible that they're like blasting off on DMT in the woods what the fuck <laughs> and I can kind of verify this when you sleep DMT goes into your brain when I sleep outside my dreams are turned up to 11 bro that when I was being trapped by a cougar I had a dream that that shit was pinning me down I saw its teeth I could fucking see it but I woke up and I knew it was a dream, and then I clutched my hatchet. <laughs> I'm thinking some of these motherfuckers are having hallucinatory experiences, and maybe they're believing their dreams or something. I don't know. One young man told me lying in his bed listening to the lound of hooting from an owl right outside his window. The next moment, there was a group of skinny gray aliens surrounding his bed. I have collected quite a few reports where people will hear an owl hooting right before an abduction occurs. These folks don't need to feel a psychic vibration. It seems the owl is announcing the arrival of the UFO occupants. Or, this eerie call could be another form of a screen memory. Like, the moral of this book is if you see an owl, run. This quote is kind of in the right direction. There are countless stories of mysterious unmarked vans parked in front of the homes of abductees. After hearing these... Let's just ignore that. <laughs> I was listening to another Art Bell. This chick sees eight black Suburbans, $100,000 vehicles at a fucking hiking trailhead, and she goes for a hike anyway. Turn around. You ain't hiking that day. 
and she's had a fucking abduction case, and she's going, does this have to do anything with the fucking van's art? Oh, lordy, I think it does. After hearing these accounts over and over, a kind of paranoid narrative emerges. If these vans are there for some reason, are they hiding shadowy government technicians? Alright, it's time to turn on this motherfucker. Mike Selland, how did you get 12 book deals after this mediocre shit? <laughs> government tech, you should probably be suspect. All these cases he's attributing to owls. <laughs> They have fucking VTS weaponry, voice to skull. Not going full Patreon, but they could just beam a fucking alien movie into your head. These cloak and dagger vans are so consistent they must be there for a reason. Hey, you're starting to come around to it, Mikey. <laughs> Got some more Twilight Zone action. There's a rather famous cat named Oscar that lives in a nursing home in Providence, Rhode Island. This cat seems to have the mysterious ability to know when a patient is close to death. Most of the time he is aloof, shunning attention from the staff and patients, but he has a sense of knowing that has proven eerily accurate. Oscar spends his day pacing from room to room. He sniffs and looks at the patients, but rarely spends much time with anyone, except when they just have hours to live. He's accurate enough to have the staff understand that it's time to call family members. When Oscar curls up beside the patient, most of them who are too ill to notice his present, he's kept outside of the room of the dying patient, scratching at the door. Kitty Soft Paws, the Harbinger of Death. Yeah, this is like a Stephen King motif in all of his movies. Just watch Doctor Sleep. That whole movie's another truth bomb. This quote is pretty trippy. It appears possible to sense death approaching. Could it be that predators like cats and owls have developed some ability to detect parting of the veil? God damn it, was that cougar trying to tell me I'm dying? <laughs> I don't know, man. That's something he has right with this book. At some places, the veil is thinner than others. Definitely in the woods. You go to a fucking COVID head's house, and the veil is thick. You're getting choked out by the veil. Quote, Whitney Stryber has speculated that gray aliens, using some sort of telepathy, might be able to literally see through the eyes of owls. The ability both to see and fly in almost total darkness would make owls an excellent choice as the role of an alien surveillance camera. Not biting. Heather Cluett Joukowsky is a shaman, a researcher of ancient sacred sites. She has a powerful story from a summer night in the Crop Circle County of Southern England. She describes an electric feel in the air. Ooh, girl, shut me like an electric. A white owl perched on a fence post, watched her, and then spread its wings and flew into the darkness. At that point, Heather experienced some odd visual sensations. She saw the ground zipping below her, getting closer and then farther away. It took a moment to realize what she was experiencing. She was seeing through the eyes of the owl as it threw through the unadulterated ground. So, this bitch went on a vision quest. When I dream, I'm running on all fours up a mountain. I gotta go fished. Final quote. There is mood to these stories, a gut feeling that goes far beyond just the nuts and bolts data collected by most UFO investigators. There are hunches that lead nowhere, except perhaps within. As I started saying, aliens are from inner space, not outer space. Me? Mike Selland, The Messenger.
the soundboard back from the dead. Thank you guys for joining. Next time on the show, we have got our July-themed edition. Mikey Lewis is back for Flash Boys. Commenters coming pretty hard with the recommendations. This book kicked ass. Don't miss it. Harry shit on Instagram for some free memes. Level yourself up on the Patreon. Let's get a random soundboard effect to end it. The Owl Hunt starts tonight. Love you guys. Nick Muniz signing off. Peace!